Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Real Joe Quinn, on this 11th of August, 2022. Great to be with you. Um, a little bit of mini vacation, you know. Um, I definitely missed speaking to everybody um, via this platform and doing, doing, doing in terms of doing my podcast. But sometimes, you know, you got to just recharge the batteries. Take a trip, clear your mind, or in terms or terms says free your mind and go about your business. Um, but it, similar to a soap opera, uh, not a lot has changed since I was gone. <laughs> As you can see on the screen here with Kevin Durant, like I'll go home, and my mother is a general hospital fanatic. Like she's been in Washington for at least shit, what forty years, if not longer, and. I'll be like, hold on. I haven't seen General Hospital since the last time I've been home, which has been, you know, five, six months. And there's still the same storylines. And nothing's changed. Like, Sonny's having somebody killed. Quartermains are acting up. Like, you be like, yo, what what are we doing here? But that's, you know, that is um, the soap opera business. As far as Kevin Durant, so Kevin Durant earlier this week, um, or even late last week, uh, I'm listen. I was on LA time. I'm still on LA time right now. Uh, met with the owner Josiah. Basically, gave him an ultimatum: either trade, you know, either trade him, or fire either Steve Nash or Sean Marks. So, and then of course Kyrie Irving, who basically had nothing to say um, about the situation previously, you know co-signs and says, yeah, yeah, they're they're bad, what have you, through sources, okay, whatever with that, so I I don't really, this is not even about Kyrie at this point, um, it was about Kyrie, but I, I'm focused on Durant, here's what I would do if I were the Nets, um, there was a point, and you've heard me say this on uh, the podcast, where I would have, without a question, without a shadow of a doubt, would have been like, you know what, we gotta get rid of, uh, we gotta get rid, of, we gotta get rid of Durant. We can't have this black cl- black cloud hanging over our franchise, our our culture being devastated going into the 2022-2023 season, right? I think I, I think I've changed course on that. Um, if I'm the Nets, I am trying to get Kevin Durant back, reel him back in, and I'm trying to sell Kevin Durant on this season as being a a, a season where we can win a championship. Saying Kevin, this is what this is what the plan is. We are going to trade Kyrie Irving, get draft picks that can help, get draft picks and get a good player, rotation player, back for him, and even flip maybe flip those draft picks until getting another player, say at the All Star break. We can get at least one draft pick, maybe two, for Kyrie Irving. Maybe. At least one and a decent rotation player. And we'll take our chances. I wouldn't threaten Kevin Durant. I wouldn't say, hey, you want to sit out the season? Go sit out. No, no, no. I'm coming from a place of humility. I'm coming from a place of negotiation. Negotiating. Right? So, I, again, this is but, but, this is going to require Kyrie Irving to be traded, right? Now, 
I wouldn't hesitate to, to fire Steve Nash. Right? Wouldn't hesitate to fire Steve Nash because the Nets probably didn't want Steve Nash to begin with. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wanted Steve Nash. So you can move on from him. I'm like, all right, you know, you know what? You want to coach? Cool. You, he's not, you want him out? All right, we can do that. Sean Marks is another story. Sean Marks helped build the Nets, uh, helped put them in a position to get um, to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So I'm, you know, I I I think that I, I would sell him, try to sell him more like, no, we're, we're keeping Sean Marks. We're not giving you everything. We're not giving you everything. You give it a coach, but we're we're keeping you. We're, we're keeping Sean Marks. So I think that that is the course of action that the Nets should take at this point. To be honest with you. And if Durant, like, I'm call his bluff. If he refuses to play, which he's not, then eh, so be it. We can go. Yeah, we can go to court. We can go to like we we can go in subordination. We can we can we can go that route if we have to. But uh, I I think that at this like the Nets, it seems like the Nets just have no. I'm not gonna say they don't have a plan, but it seems like. You know they are they're offering they you know they are asking for these insane trade uh, trade assets in return for Kevin Durant, which they're not going to get. Like you're not getting Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which was a rumor. Uh, like that's just not happening. So to me, they really don't they don't want to trade him. In essence, like they they're trying to do everything not to trade him, but seem like they are trying to trade him. If that makes sense, but again, I I wouldn't I I would I would wait this thing out. Still got plenty of time. Uh, training camp hasn't you know it's not for another month month or so. So training camp starts like what end of September, uh, middle to end of September, and you know we we still have a lot we still have some time here. But I'm not I'm not getting rid of. Uh, I'm not getting rid of both Marks and Nash. Like I'm not giving Kevin Durant everything, everything from that standpoint. And I find if again, this is classic Kevin Durant. If this is true, that allegedly now he would be open to going to 76ers. So you want to go play with a guy who, in essence, quit on your franchise in terms of James Harden. You want to play with that dude. That's what you. <laughs> You know, sometimes you just certain things you see is just it's it's not hard to believe, but it's hard to believe. Like I wouldn't want anywhere, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near James Harden if I'm Kevin Durant. But you know, but listen, Kevin Durant is fickle. Kevin, we know how Kevin Durant moves. He probably doesn't look at James Harden as somebody a quitter or somebody he. I mean, because he's done stuff like Durant hasn't quit, but Durant, well, he's. I mean, yeah, he is quitting on this franchise right now, of course, in the trade. So he probably says, "Hey, I, you know, who am I to judge a guy when I've done some of the stuff that I've done? Um, you know, leaving Golden State, leaving Steph Curry, or now forcing a trade with four years and one hundred what ninety eight million dollars uh, left on my on, on a contract extension that he signed last summer. So I, I think you know, 
Durant is not place not going to place any judgment towards uh, James Harden if that if that report is true. Uh, again, the Nets the Nets have to be just uh, stay the course with this. Don't panic. But again, I would be going hard to to try to sell Kevin Durant on trying to stay uh, with the Nets. I would be trying to rebuild that relationship. Um, if possible, doing everything I can to be like to, com- to convince him uh, to be to be uh, to start off the season at the New Jersey Net. So, Deshaun Watson, um, this case, this this is a case that has really it, it is a lesson in terms of not how to handle a situation from. All parties, uh, well, not all parties. I can't say the victims, but from Deshaun Watson, from Deshaun Watson's people's, from the NFL, um, just it's been a lot of failure all around in, in terms of this situation. The latest with this is Deshaun Watson, the NFL, Roger Goodell in particular, want Deshaun Watson to be suspended for at least for a year. They don't want anywhere. They don't want Deshaun Watson anywhere near the 2022 season, and they don't want this to be a question going into the 2023 season. And you want to, you, if you want to understand where the NFL is coming from, right? So, the six game suspension had they had he just gotten the six game suspension, right? He comes back. That's that would be almost all we're talking about for the rest of the season. And then it will carry over into next season without question. Because people were saying, well, he just got these six games and got most of his money. And now, what? He's home free for 2023. The NFL just didn't want to deal with that. They just they got to a point to where even they had reached their limit as far as bad PR, which is very, which is very hard. I mean, NFL, the NFL has had its share of criminals play and guys have 30, 25 different comebacks from drugs and things of that nature. I mean, it, it, like the NFL. If you, if you have talent, you can play in the NFL unless you just go to do something to get locked up. So like, unless you go out there and do a, you know, a Ray Carew or somebody like that, you can, you know, you can, you can, there will be always a place for you in the NFL. So I, again, I wonder what shifted the NFL's change of heart besides the fact that they didn't want to have the PR damage. I, I, I really think that the NFL sees some more cases, uh, civil suits on the horizon. I really, I, I really believe that. That's my little mini conspiracy theory. Like there are going to be some more, there will be some more victims that come out, that come out the, uh, uh, that that you know, that come out the woodworks. So if you if he gets a, if he gets a year suspension, the NFL will not this this story won't be it'll still be a story but once the season gets started it'll be like all right it'll be about the games and then next season it'll be you know still be a minor story but nfl will say hey we spend him a year you know we're not going to ban him from unless he goes to jail which is not going to happen you know he's not going to ban up in the league that's not going to happen so the nfl is playing this somewhat the right way right now they should have done this from the beginning to be honest with you um. Now, now today you have Deshaun Watson. This is this is not funny, but it, it's kind of funny. 
willing to accept an eight-game suspension and a $5 million fine, willing to accept. Like, this is how delusional his peoples are and he is in terms of willing. Like, so there's this thing, right, where the Players Association, if Deshaun Watson were to get suspended for a year or the punishment be 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 more stringent than the six games that the NFL Player Association will sue the NFL. And I, I want to say, the Players Association just, I, I've never known the Players Association in my lifetime to, in the last, I would say, 15 to 20 years to have any type of power versus the NFL. Like, I've got, like, the, in what world do the players do the players association think thinks that they have a chance going up against the NFL? Like realistically, like let's be let's be let's let's keep it a, a thousand right now. Who are you taking in a battle versus the NFL versus the player association? I would take the player association every day of the week and three times on Sunday. So that that's not even that that is insanity. So that just shows you the player association is clueless as well. Like I said, this there is failure abound with it from all from from everybody from uh, from almost everybody with the exception of, the, of course the victims but it's just it is a it's just a hor- horrible situation the nfl you know does not want him now you know they hoping that this thing can go through before he's uh scheduled to suit up tomorrow against um jacksonville because again that's another there's a PR disaster for the NFL if he plays, if he steps foot on the field, even in a preseason game. But again, the, NFL, the bottom line is the NFL should have took the hammer out at the beginning of this process, suspended him for a year, and we wouldn't, we barely, if not at all, would be even talking about this. But again, the, the amount of just, you know, not being on the weed room in terms of his people are willing to accept a five-year, eight-game, $5 million fine. It's like, that's borderline comical and it's just insane. Um, that's, they're not, the NFL Players Association, Deshaun Watson, his lawyers do not have any, they they don't have a lot of moves to make. Um, if that, you know, independent arbitrator, the judge, uh, the federal court goes the way of the NFL and gives Deshaun Watson the year suspension, you know, you can try to, they can try to appeal it, but more than likely, when the NFL wants you sitting down, more than likely you're going to sit down, period. And we, we've seen this. The NFL wants some, and it's very rare that the NFL wants somebody to sit down. That's the thing about it. But when they want you to sit down, you're going to sit your ass down, period. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, um, some big time entertainment news in the world of radio came out um, yesterday or even. Um, Tuesday. I'm I'm getting my days. I like I'm telling you right now, <laughs> my, my body clock and just my just knowing what day it is is is, is a struggle. But you know we we push through it. Um, the, the Breakfast Club. Angela Yee is going to be out um, of the Breakfast Club uh, sometime this fall. She put out a tweet. Um, I believe on Tuesday night saying that the Breakfast Club, as you know it. Is officially over. Now here, here is how. Just as a society, we could just be society, and just as Americans, we could just be dumb. That tweet. Think about what was said in that tweet. The breakfast. These are the key words. As you know it, 
She didn't say the Breakfast Club is officially over. She said the Breakfast Club, as you know it, is officially over. And next thing you know, that turns into, well, the Breakfast Club is being shut down. Everybody's being fired. People are moving on. Uh, IR is moving on. The Breakfast Club is one of the biggest radio shows in the country. They are they have, five, have over 5 million YouTube subscribers. They are in almost every major market known to mankind. They just, the show has... The show has never been more popular than it is right now. Like the show, the show is in the ratings that's number one in New York. They've been number one for a, a, a while now. They they continuously, you know, dominate Hot ninety seven. Like like the Breakfast Club is killing it. it, it like the, the show, like I said, they have everybody. They interview everybody on the Breakfast Club. Everyone. It has morphed into not it is not morphed into a show. Forget about just hip hop. Just about American culture in general. You can love it or hate it. I don't like everything that they do, but I do. They their impact on the culture is um, goes without saying. I do think that they are the best morning show that I've seen since uh, Carter and Sanborn in the morning. I think Carter Sanborn is the greatest morning show of all time, in my opinion. Growing up in the uh, suburban Philadelphia area, and anybody knows anything about radio knows of Carter and Sanborn, and certainly the uh, the late Brian Carter. Shot you know rest in peace to him um that was a legendary show not just in philly but just in, in you know all over the country as far as the, that just that show i would put that show against any show in, in the country at that time but the breakfast club is to me on that on par with that like they are to me i i had not listened to morning radio post carter and sanborn until i came upon the breakfast club i would say five years ago 2017 and been listening to it ever since. Now I don't listen to it as much, um, but the the success of the show can be can be understated. Now, here's what I say about this. You know, a lot of speculation on what happened. Sometimes, folks, sometimes things are very simple. Um, we don't get to these conspiracy theories. Well, they you know did Charlemagne and be pushed E out? Did they really secretly fire her? No, Angela Yee is a major big time radio personality angela lee who is clearly wanted she's now going to have her own syndicated show on iart uh by herself and things tend to run their course it's better to go out on top than it is to say hey the breakfast club should have ended a year or two early i should have left a year or two early stuff like that you want to go out when the time is right and you know she wanted to do her own thing it's just that simple um, having your own is nothing like having your own show. She's, and you know, I saw some of the stuff on Twitter and some of the stuff, reading some of the comments. It, some of the slander of Angela Lee, of Angela Yee is just, it's just insane. Like you could say you prefer Charlemagne or prefer Envy, but you can't take away the impact. That show is not the same without Angela, without Angela Yee, period. I think, I think the best combination that they had. When one of them was missing or not there, it was Charlemagne and Angela, Angela Yee by far, even even more so than Charlemagne and, and DJ Envy. I thought from an entertainment and an information standpoint that Yee and Charlemagne were the best combination. Charlemagne and Envy are too much, too much playfulness, too much joking, not enough, not enough, not enough information from that standpoint. I is is too you know they they. They, you know, those two together are just, you know, 
kind of clownish, so to speak, with some of the stuff, you know, with the back and forth and they're constantly coming at each other. Yeah, stuff gets a little old. Ye and Envy together are just not that entertaining to me. Like that's is a, so, but Charlemagne and Ye are a perfect combination together. But again, the bottom line is Angela Angela Ye's resume speaks for itself. She had her own show prior to the time before she got to uh, the Breakfast Club. She had proven her she would not be in that position to be on the Breakfast Club if she could not carry her own show. Period. She wouldn't be in that position. She just wouldn't be in that position. So again, I. I don't think her show will be as successful as the Breakfast Club. I think all three of those people, all three of them together, are at their best when they're all together. But I do think that Angela Yee will, because she, Angela Yee will be will be okay. Like I think she'll be fine. I don't, I don't see the show being a disaster. I don't see the show being a a, a one and done, one year and done, two years done. I I I think Angela Yee Angela Yee will uh, be uh, that that will be a solid show. Remember, she's a pioneer when it comes to how women talking about sex on the radio. She's one of the first, one of the first uh, lady um, DJs to not be afraid to talk about sex on the radio, and she turned that into a podcast with lip service. She, you know, her balance balancing, you know, being in a male dominated industry, especially working next to Charlemagne and DJ Emmy, that's a tough spot. That's a tough spot trying to corral both of those, you know, working uh, three, a three person booth is difficult anyway, but you know, you're a, you're the woman between two dudes that that is, that's not easy at all. And again, I listen, I, you know, I enjoyed the woman report, you know, ask ye to her segments. Uh, so I think she, Angela will be fine. I don't think the breakfast club will be as good. And I would say that if any one of them left, I would say that I think they are, they're kind of like the 08 Celtics. They, you know, they're individually, they're pretty good, but collectively, they are great to legendary. So, the Breakfast Club, as we know it, is done. Um, you will, of course, Angela, you will have her own show sometime later in the fall. Um, wonder how long they will, I wonder how long they will last past this. To be honest with you, because it seems like Charlemagne is doing his own thing with the, he has his own television show uh, on Comedy Central. You know, he does with the books and stuff like that. I this could be the beginning of the end of the show. To be honest with you, like if you told me a year from now that there was no Breakfast Club, I would be like, eh, wouldn't be surprised. This is how this is how things work out sometimes in radio. Um, and again, they've had a long run. They they were on the air since 2010. It's 2022. That is a long time in today's age, especially with so many, especially with all the opportunities that they have to do other things, podcasting, writing books, things in television, all the movies, all the stuff that they have access to that's been created, the opportunities that have been created because of uh, what they've done with uh, The Breakfast Club. Biggest disappointment of the week. Now, there were a lot of candidates for this, but number one has to be this idea um, that you have people in Brazil who are attacking monkeys because of what's going on with monkeypox. Now, give you a little history lesson on the term monkeypox. 
monkeypox does not come from uh, the actual disease does not come from a monkey. The actual disease when I did the research comes from uh, part of it comes from rodents. Okay, so the term the term was created back in nineteen. So look this up real quick. Was created by back in 1958 in a lab in Denmark, where a virus a virus was identified in a group of monkeys in a lab in Denmark in 1958. That has nothing to do with this actual the actual virus of monkeypox in 2022. So you have these people out here in Brazil who are poisoning monkeys, shooting monkeys. And with the thought process that that is going to stop monkeypox, and it, it again, you see some of this shit, and you just you would not believe it if you if you, I mean you just, it's it's hard to believe. I like when I when I first heard about it, I was like, this must be an internet one of these internet stories that just are just that that are completely a thousand percent false. So this is some internet bullshit. That's what I thought. And then I actually did some research on it and said, oh, no, this was actually a real story. Again, I, I would just love, I, I would just like, not love, I would like to talk to a person who thinks, I would want to know why they think that this is going to work. Like, what's the logic behind, like, what, yeah. Uh, maybe no, no, I'll take that back. I don't want to talk to that person. I, I, I'll be afraid what they will say. But I, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I'll take that back. I don't. Like I said, you see some shit, and it's just it, that just has you scratching your head, and just, it's just where we're at right now, 2022. Like everybody is just has lost their fucking minds. Not everybody, but a lot of people just lost their minds. I mean, seriously, you you think that killing monkeys is going to stop the monkeypox from spreading? It's going to have any impact whatsoever on this disease? Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, seriously, what are like what are we doing? I, I like I, I just I don't some stuff you just I just don't get like I don't. Um, but again, no, <laughs> this is in Brazil. Uh, again, they they are poisoning. Like I said, poisoning monkeys, shooting them, shooting them. Um, and just for just it, again, this just makes zero. This just makes zero sense. What's going on? Um, in terms of in, in terms of that. Before I let you go, um, I need to give a special shout out to, as I mentioned mentioned earlier on the uh, podcast. I was on a mini vacation. Went out, hung out with some friends in L.A. Had a great time, of course, um, and uh, got away. Was able to just you know just relax, kick back, and, and enjoy you know some of the people that I've been around for a better part of twenty four years. I fly fly back on Monday, and the, the the plane ride was going smooth. We were you know on basically basically on time, and all of a sudden the pilot says, "Hey." Um, not able to land right now. We're gonna try it again. I forgot what the reason was. It was some 
a tailwind. I don't know. Some technical shit that I have no clue about weather related or wasn't playing really as far as there wasn't anything wrong with the plane, thankfully. But it seemed like that took about a good 20 to 25 extra minutes. Now, again, I'm not knocking the captain or whoever the, the, the pilot at all. No, do whatever it takes to land this plane safely. That's all that matters. But it did feel like <laughs> feel like forever waiting to land the plane. A uh, little bit, a little bit of a rough landing, but you know, I was able to walk off the plane, which is the most important thing. I could not imagine that has been. It made me think about how just difficult and how I think underrated a job of a pilot is. You have no room for error. You there are at least you know anywhere from what a hundred sometimes depending on what a hundred two hundred depending on the size three hundred people on the planes at, at times you are responsible for knowledge for their lives for you for their safety your own safety your flight attendants everybody like that is one of the most pressurized jobs there is in the world and again one bad one false move one bad move one bad day can you can't have it like there's no such thing as a pilot being able to have a bad day like i can have a bad day at work i could do a bad podcast you know and 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 life will go on and i'll still be breathing and things that i won't be happy there's no like there's no room for error like a pilot cannot have a bad day so i again shout out to that pilot for landing the plane i have all the respect in the world for these pilots out for these pilots out here i know airlines have been tripping over the past this summer with cancellations and alleged pilots like not having enough a shortage in staff things of that nature and you know uh, just a bunch of bunch just a bunch of shit going on this summer in terms of the airlines i made to la and i made it back and that's all that matters so shout out to that pilot that's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the real deal podcast enjoy the rest of your evening enjoy your weekend so long